Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. This week, as always, we're looking at movies through a personal development lens. We like to have three discussion points, three big signposts to guide our discussion. We call those success movie maxims. That's two weeks in a row that we've stuck with that name. I'm pretty happy with it. This week, we're talking about another entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not the most recent entry. I've been seeing ads for the latest Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, We'll be taking that one on, no doubt, at some point. But, you know, one of the things I love about this program, one of the things I love about Success Magazine and the Success Podcast Network is the recurring emphasis on the flexibility in defining success, the importance of flexibility, and the personal dimensions of defining success. And... I learn every week when we when we do this podcast and just thinking about the things we're talking about, watching these movies. And one thing I've come to learn, not from any particular movie, but just doing this program overall, thinking about what the audience might relate to, thinking about my own life and people I know and what they relate to. It's time to admit not everyone's definition of success includes watching every single movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, let alone watching them as soon as they come out. So I'm on record as being a fan of the post-COVID media environment. I like streaming movies at my house. And so I think this is a good one. We're a little bit behind, but that's okay. We're staying in our own pocket. And that's going to be one of our themes this week, a little a little spoiler alert. We're, we're going to talk about staying in the pocket. That's our third discussion point. But before we do that, we've got to get on our journey, right? We've got to we've got to start, we've got to figure out where we are and where we're going. So let me give you a little background about Shang-Chi. Cool movie, really enjoyed it. Uh, I was pronouncing it Shang-Chi before I saw it, and it's actually Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, and so, like all Marvel movies, this is a classic hero's journey tale. Joseph Campbell would be proud. And it starts out with our protagonist, Sean, who is an Asian man who lives in San Francisco. And he's cool. He's jacked. He does push-ups in the morning. He gets dressed in a cool suit. And he's got a cool little montage. And he's going to work. And then the next thing you see is this cool, uh, I think it might be a BMW. I don't know. It's a cool car, though. And it's whipping around, pulls up. You know, a cool guy steps out, flashy in his suit, tosses the keys to the valet, What? That's our hero. Not the guy in the car, the valet, because he's a regular guy. This is the beginning of his hero's journey. But you get the sense, and I think the movie contrasts the the definition of material success in modern-day San Francisco with what's usually classified as a a service job or a, a less desirable job. Valet parking, I don't mean to cast dispersions on valet parkers. They work super hard. And I've often thought, I mean, I don't know how much they get paid, but it could be a cool job. I mean, you need to be able to support yourself. And I think that's the bigger issue. Sean lives in a garage, which is, you know, I know lawyers who live above garages in San Francisco nowadays. Uh, So again, there's no shame in any of this, but the movie definitely draws a contrast between a 
very materially successful person and a guy who is, you know, in a suit, but in a different way, um, you know, in a, in a role that probably isn't the end of his life dreams. And if you are, a, you know, someone's got a valet park and I actually, I've, as a lawyer have worked for valet parking companies. And so I know people who have founded valet parking companies. I don't mean to suggest that there, you shouldn't have a passion for valet parking if you have one, but Sean doesn't. Um, and the reason for that we later learn is that he's on the run. Uh, his father is an ancient criminal warlord who has these 10 rings that give him otherworldly power and he's used it to build a criminal empire. And uh, he trained his son to be the world's best assassin, but you know, he just, his son had, had to live another way. And so he ran away and now he's living in a garage in San Francisco. And so that's cool. We know he's going to go on a journey. We know he's going to confront the legacy of his father. He's going to reconnect with his matrilineal influences. He's going to bring balance back to his community. He's going to learn to be the superhero that he always was. We'll talk about all that. There's a lot to offer us along the way. But one of the things that Marvel does so well, and one of the ways I wanted to focus this week, is, is by using the side characters. And there's a great side character in Shang-Chi, and it's Shang's best friend, Katie, who works with him at the valet parking company. And she is uh, at first a little less ambivalent on the surface about their station in life. She likes to drive the fast cars. She always has. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, she likes to have fun. And they're not really worried about together. They kind of support each other in this life of just living in the moment, having fun, not worrying too hard about whether you're measuring up to a specific material or quantitative version of success as defined by other people, which is great, but there can be a risk there of, of staying in stasis. And so that's the beginning of kind of Katie's hero's journey. Of course, of course she's going to go to the mythical realms with her friend and, and participate in these cool battles and sort of be a, a, a lens for the audience, for regular people. That's all cool. But before we get there, we've got to learn kind of her tensions. So before we get to our first success movie, Maxim, let's listen to our first clip. This is a slice of life clip, modern day San Francisco, getting drinks with some yuppie friends who kind of are making you feel bad about why you're not doing more, but you also get the sense maybe they have a little defensiveness because they're doing too much, you know, in a soul sucking job. So we can all relate on our particular balance of that scale. This is a great little snippet uh, and it sets the stage well. So let's listen to it. How have you never told me this story? You know, before she was a lawyer, your girl was pretty wild. Oh, what happened? I grew up. What's that supposed to mean? What's that supposed to mean? That maybe there's a point where you're supposed to stop going on joyrides and start thinking about living up to your potential. Please tell me you're kidding, Sue. Look, we're now living in a world where at any moment half the population can just disappear. Life's too short and too fragile. Katie, you're a valet driver with an honors degree from Berkeley. And Sean can speak like four languages. You've always been the most talented people I know. I just... Don't get why you're scared to actually use it for something serious. Wow. You sound like my mom. Okay, so again, uh, I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of times in movies, 
it's useful when a character kind of seems like they're off base or like they're an idiot or they're wrong. Uh, sometimes the writers will put in truth in, in their mouths. Um, and so you have to listen for it like you always do. And I think here, what this woman is saying, what uh, Katie and Sean's friend is saying is true, but her conclusion is not quite right. So obviously when she says we live in a time when half of the population could disappear, that's a reference to the, the big Avenger story where Thanos you know, did that. He made half of the humans disappear, including some of the Avengers. But it's also a good metaphor for us as individuals. You know, at any time we can become out of balance and, and lose access to whatever side we're polarized away from. You know, we can lose parts of ourselves. And also life is fragile. I mean, you can lose what's important to you, people important to you, or you yourself could lose your life. And so it's important to make every day count. But of course, you do have to engage in long-term planning. And we all are work working to find this balance every single day. Um, but in listening to this clip, I really thought the, the, the important thing and the, the question and maybe the answer that the movie is setting up for us is that where, where I think the, the lawyer yuppie goes wrong is that you shouldn't really put away joyrides. You should not stop engaging in joyrides. And so that's our first success movie maxim this week. Let your journey be a joyride. Okay, let your journey be a joyride. And at first I was going to kind of hem and haw with the language and say, let your journey include a joyride uh, because you can't just be at maximum miles per hour at all times. You've got to slow down. I don't want people running too many traffic lights, etc. But, you know, that actually is part of a joyride. A joyride is when you're in a cool car and you go out and have fun with it. It doesn't mean you get in a car accident and it doesn't mean you kill yourself. It just means you take it to the limit. Uh, and so, you know, even in the joyride scene in this movie, of course, there's a joyride. If you're filming a movie in San Francisco, it's like you should be shot uh, or at least do time if you do not have cool car chases. And this movie doesn't disappoint. But even then, there's still stops and starts. So I don't mean to suggest go, go, go all the time, but you should be joyful on your journey. You should consider yourself to be on a journey towards your joy. And even when you're not feeling it at the moment, the memory of your joys and the promise of future joys should pull you towards that future. And so I, I don't mean to, to say the lawyer is completely wrong, but I also don't mean to say Katie is completely right. Because like I said, uh, a joyride isn't just excess all the time. It's making moments for actual joy. And, uh, you know, I'm a 38-year-old uh, millennial man. And so, of course, I love the Postal Service, the, this group from 2003. They only made one album called Give Up. It had this song, uh, Such Great Heights. You've probably heard it. Great song. But on one of the album cuts, they have this line, it's not a party if you do it every night. And uh, that really stuck with me. You know, I, I think it's, it's so true. And that's really Katie and Sean's journey on this movie is, you know, they're living in the moment, they're having fun, they do karaoke, but maybe there's something a little bit more. Why can't they get to that something more? What's stopping them? You know, why is it that, that they need to do karaoke every night? Is it just that they don't want to be like their lawyer friends or, or is there something a little more? Well, we're going to get to it in our second clip and we'll eventually talk about how we deal with it. Here's a hint. Uh, when Katie says, you sound like my mom, uh, again, that, that is a, a useful line that gives us a clue into how we figure these things out, which is looking to the past, looking to our ancestry, looking to our upbringing. 
And uh, the Marvel movies do a great job in walking us through that. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about our our second success movie, Maxim, and uh, the rest of Shang-Chi. All right. So welcome back. As I said, we're we're moving on in our discussion of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're looking through the eyes of the side characters mostly, doing something a little different. And so we wanted to talk about the character Katie and her journey and figuring out what more to get from life. Uh, what more can she, can she find from life? And one of the things the movie uh, does for us, helps us on, learn how to go on these journeys ourselves, is it steers us towards the past and gives us clues as to why Katie might be this way. And uh, so... The movie then takes Sean and Katie to Katie's uh, family's apartment where they're having a meal. And this is a great, again, a great slice of life clip about uh, life in America, blending in in a diverse society, honoring your ancestors, especially if they're recent immigrants and they worked hard. And, you know, that can be a lot of pressure. There's a lot to live up to. And um, so let's let's listen to our first clip. Then we'll come back and talk about our our next success movie, Maxim. Then I've got another clip, and then uh, we'll talk about it some more. So let's go. So this is uh, Katie's uh, just a slice of family life that helps us understand, you know, why the joy rides may not quite be a joy ride, and why Katie may be having trouble finding her way and her journey in life. You don't think it's silly, why, Paul? We just know why Gong would have wanted you to move on and enjoy your life. Moving on is an American idea. You're American, Mom. Don't forget. Sean, did my daughter apply to any new jobs this week? She really likes her job. We both do. Mm -hmm. Why Gong didn't move here from Hunan so you could park cars for a living? Well, on that note, I think we're going to miss our bus. I'm sorry for my unacceptable job and for staying out late last night trying to enjoy my life. But one day I'll make you proud, I promise. So that's really relatable. I I relate to that a lot. Uh, Although I was a yuppie lawyer for a long time, I think I was an Aquafina at heart. I still am. Uh, It's important to live in the moment and it's important not to put too many burdens on yourself. And I love this clip because it really does bring home, you know, the movie has, like I said, so much about language and names and the ties to the past. And uh, this really brings it home if your parents aren't, you know, mythical, uh, ancient, superpowered warlords uh, from beyond time. And you can feel like, you know, whoever you are, you come from millennia of people who eked out an existence and barely survived and barely reproduced. Our genome was baked in blood and destruction and death. And we're here, you know, watching Marvel movies. And that's awesome. Um, But you can feel like, you know, all this, people worked hard. People made sacrifices. Whoever your parents were, they made sacrifices for you. And as a parent, you know, I can say it's not really a sacrifice, but it it can still feel like like that. But I think it's important not, and this is our... Second success movie, Maxim, this week. Don't mortgage your life to pay off someone else's balance sheet, okay? And if you watch this movie, you'll see, again, that's don't mortgage your life to pay off someone else's balance sheet. The movie does bring this home with Shang-Chi, whose father trained him as an assassin uh, and who went down that path but then wanted to correct 
and sort of figuring out, you know, am I going to live my whole life trying to be the opposite of my father or am I going to become my own person and integrate my influences from my mother and my father uh, and become the superhero that I'm meant to be? But what I love about Katie's tale is it's like the shadow inverse, uh, kind of almost what we call apophatic, like it's it's between the lines, her version of that journey, because she's not rebelling against something she was meant to be that she's struggling with. She's not too successful or too good at being an assassin. Rather, I think we can all relate to this. She feels like, you know, whatever I do, it needs to justify and honor the sacrifices and the debts that my ancestors, you know, took on for me to be here. And it's hard, you know, especially in a city like San Francisco or, you know, in the modern media environment, we all kind of live in San Francisco and New York. We all see the best of the best. And it's hard to think what I could do could measure up to that. And then you look at your family, you know, and, and they live in the world too. They know that it's better to be, you know, by economic standards, the person paying someone to park their car than the person getting paid to park cars. But all work's honorable and all people have dignity. And so I think Katie's struggle here is she's mortgaging her life to pay off a balance of work, work, work. So like her family is like, achievement oriented. And so her kind of way to balance that in herself and to deal with her ambivalence is to not do anything, but that's still mortgaging her life because she's supposed to do something. And so what I love about her journey is she doesn't get superpowers yet, but she learns that she always had them and it's her power to work hard and learn new things. And what she needs to do is commit and jump in and try hard at something that she's going to fail at because it's worth getting better at. And she needs to learn that it's worth the risk of not living up to all of these expectations and even living up to your own. And so I wanted to play another clip before we move on to our third success movie, Maxim, that really draws this home again, because I, I really thought the, the writing with Aquafina or Katie's journey uh, really did bring this home. So this next clip is where uh, Katie is in the mythical realm of uh, Shang-Chi's uh, mother's ma maternal ancestors, uh, but they're gearing up for the big battle. And so she's kind of just helping out wherever she can. So let's, let's take a listen uh, as Katie's now deeper in her journey and kind of learning things about herself. I just love how you guys know exactly what you want to do and you spend your whole life getting really good at it. I wish I was more like that. It's like every time I get moderately good at something, I just quit and start something new. But I just know my own limits and I'm not gonna waste my time chasing something that will ultimately be a disappointment for me. That's not me. Okay, so I, sh I should have said, this was the, our first movie. It was a little bit challenging to get these clips because uh, so much of it, so much of the movie is in another language, which I'm not complaining. It was cool. Uh, but I left that last part in on purpose, um, even for those of you who are listening to this because you only speak English, um, because the line is so good. So what's happening in that clip is uh, Aquafina is helping a woman gather arrows for the warriors. And then as they're taking the arrows to the warriors, after Aquafina has sort of talked about herself, the woman says, you know, let her shoot, be, meaning like train with the warriors. 
And then she says to Aquafina, if you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing. And I think that's exactly right. And that's why I wanted to make sure we kept that line in, even if most of the audience and myself don't exactly understand it. Um, because that's, that's Aquafina's journey is, is this reticence to do something, um, because you know, the, her, her background is so pressure and achievement oriented, but you know, she's, she's, there's more to it than moderate being moderately good at something. And I really love the line where Aquafina says, I know my own limits because I disagree. I don't think any of us know our limits until we get to them. And, uh, that really brings us to our next success movie maxim. So here I want to take a step back because we're going to talk, yes, about Shang and uh, Katie, Aquafina, but we've got a little blast from the past in this movie as well from one of the early, earlier Marvel movies, Iron Man 3. So if you remember this movie, uh, Iron Man's villain there was like a wealthy industrialist who manipulated the media by hiring an actor to play a terrorist. But of course they were actually doing terrorist stuff, but he was like, the actor was the spokesman. The actor's name was Trevor. I mean, the character that was an actor in the movie is named Trevor Slattery and he's played by Ben Kingsley and he's hilarious. He's like a, a drug addict, moron, uh, super pretentious. He's a fool. He's a Shakespearean fool. And, uh, it's Marvel's great. Cause you, it doesn't really matter what happens to the characters. You, you don't really remember, you know, I remember one of the Avengers, they're like in outer space. I think I may have mentioned this and you know, there's a, a random villain on the planet and you're like, all right, I have no idea if this works in the story. How did you get this guy on a planet? But it's whatever. Uh, you know, it's like comic books in that regard. I, I as a lifelong comic book reader like this, but, um, you know, it can be a little confusing. So it, when they show Ben, when they bring Ben Kingsley back in this movie, so spoiler alert, um, the terrorist that Ben Kingsley, what they explain is that Ben Kingsley's character, uh, the terrorist that he was playing in the movie, right? It's confusing. There's too many layers, but it's like the actor that Ben Kingsley played, played a terrorist called the Mandarin. And what they basically say was like, that was a super offensive, unwoke portrayal of uh, Shang-Chi's dad in the universe. Uh, so Marvel is sort of owning up to the fact that in 2012, they weren't as woke as they are now, uh, which is good. Um, but they're also bringing it back into the continuity and making it work for the story, which is of course the most important thing. And so basically what Shang-Chi's father did was captured the Mandarin and basically he's like, put some respect on my name. You can't be out here, you know, doing this cartoonish portrayal of me. And so he has him in a dungeon ready to execute, but then the guy's got laughs. He's funny. So they do keep him around as a jester and he's got a pet named Morris or a companion who is like a, a, a furry space creature. He's from the mythical realm of Shang-Chi's ancestors. Uh, but he's like a furry little cuddly guy. He doesn't really have a face. He squeaks, but Trevor can understand him. And so they know the way to get back into the mythical realm through the forest, the, 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 like the barrier forest. And the key to it is to stay in the pocket. Okay. So that's sort of what Morris tells Ben Kingsley, uh, they're going to have to do when they enter in this forest. So let's listen to this first clip, but that's basically the background. 
Uh, and, that, and then I'll explain our third success movie maxim this week, which is you've got to keep it moving to stay in the pocket. All right. You've got to keep it moving to stay in the pocket. So let's listen to uh, Trevor's explanation of staying in the pocket and then let's come back and talk about it. It's all about staying in the pocket. What pocket? We're in it now. What happens if we don't stay in the pocket? The forest eats us. Eats us? What does that mean? It says it eats us. Go left. So I love this clip because uh, it really gets to the Katie's hero's journey here because she's staying in the pocket in the wrong way, you know, uh, in music. And I, I think in football, the pocket is like a moving target. It's, it's the place in the rhythm where you're supposed to be, but, uh, or it's the place on the field where no one can tackle you if you're the quarterback with the ball. But if you stay still, you're not in the pocket anymore because it's moving around you just like the forest. And so that's why I love the line, the forest will eat you because it reminds me of this, uh, novella by one of my favorite writers, uh, an old feminist uh, sci-fi writer, I think is how she's usually described, but I don't think she described herself that way. But uh, the writer Ursula K. Le Guin, and she has this novella called The Word for the World is Forest, which is such a cool title. And it's, you know, this alien realm, and it's a metaphor for the trees that live on the planet and stuff. But I, it, it immediately came to mind here because I think that's the danger of like the bad version of staying in a static pocket. The forest will eat you. The world will eat you. You will become just a reflection of what the world and what other people think you need to be doing. You will start mortgaging your life to pay off other people's balance sheets because you're not pushing yourself to your limit to do what you need to be doing. And so I, I was thinking more, and we're going to go a little bit out of order here, but again, paying attention to what the dumb characters are saying is such a useful tool when watching movies or TV or any kind of drama. And Ben Kingsley is so stupid, you know he's dropping wisdom. Um, and so before they go into the forest, and this is what I want to end on, because I think this really brings it home with respect to Katie's mistake about knowing your own limits. And with respect to the metaphorical task of staying in the pocket, the moving pocket, while the world is trying to eat you alive and keep you locked into the patterns that the old world wants you to be in. And you need to break free, you know, whether you need to do what you're meant to be doing, which is not exactly what the world wants you to be doing because they don't quite know you. But here's the thing. You don't quite know you either. And you won't know you until you push yourself to those limits, until you're on the joyride, fully accelerating, foot is on the floor. You cannot go any faster. You are at the limits of your control. You are pushing it. Now, you can't do that all the time. You've got to prepare for that. After you do that, you've got to sit back and reflect. But that, you've got to know when to go. You've got to know when your higher self is calling to you. And so our last clip and the one I want to end on is Ben Kingsley, Trevor Slattery, the character, the Mandarin. Uh, I don't think they call him that anymore, but that was the, vill the villainous terrorist that he played's name. Um, explaining, you know, that you've got to respect Morris because he's the guy that knows the way through the forest. <laughs> Didn't mean to rhyme there. Um, but this is true about ourselves too. So when we play this clip, I want you to realize that what Ben Kingsley is saying about Morris is true about the infinite being in, in the core of you, 
okay? You don't know yourself the same way we don't fully understand Morris because the regular kind of walking around self, what I call the small self or the lowercase s self, is just what other people call the, the ego, the persona, what's getting you through the world, not just externally in your relations with other people, but internally with your mental map of what the world looks like. But it's a little bit wrong and your higher self knows that. And it wants you pushing yourself out there to your limits, doing what you're meant to be do. do. Living on your joy ride, being aware that you're on a joy ride, whatever that is for you right now, whatever brings you joy, whatever brings you that feeling that I'm doing the thing my higher self has called me to do. That's how you, that's how we want to be. That's what, whatever you're doing, that's what success will be for you when you are channeling that, the spirit of Morris. So let's listen to Ben Kingsley talk about Morris. And again, this is how I feel about all of you. This is how every single person, you know, it's easier to think when he's talking about Morris, it's true for other people. Uh, but I also want you to realize that means it's true with respect to the way other people should view you and with respect to the way you should view yourself. So let's listen to this beautiful description of the, the infinite uh, creatures of this wondrous creation that we all are, including a cuddly aliens without faces like Morris. This is really cool and all, but how long do we have to sit here? Morris is very clear. The way through is all about timing. Okay, but how long are we talking? Like hours? Days. Friends, I'm but a transitory vessel for the infinite wisdom of a creature far more advanced than we will ever truly understand. What he sees, what he feels of this vast unknown universe is beyond anything our simple brains can... Oh, you can go. What? Go, you can go. I love it. Uh, because, it, it, again, it's so true. Everything he's saying is right. But it also illustrates the ultimate point, which is that that higher self, you know, we're all contemplating and ruminating and planning and talking and thinking. Uh, but when you feel that stirring in your being, when it says it's time to go, that's when you know it is time for the joyride. And that's when you know you've really got to turn your brain off, turn off the expectations of what things are going to be like or what kind of person you even are. And just go become yourself. Go become the person you're meant to be. Listen to Morris when it's go time. Listen to your higher self when it's go time. Because you, just like Morris, are a creature capable of infinities beyond our comprehension and beyond yours. So remember that this week. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for stopping by on Success Movie Rewind. We'll be back next week with another great film. And I'll see you then. Goodbye. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.